This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has McKinley Wright What's up, everybody? Welcome to the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Before we start talking buffs, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering 20% off your purchase on their website and their app. Use code BSN20 to save 20% and have it delivered to your door. Let's jump into the show. It's another big day here on the BSN Buffs podcast. Yesterday, we have Matt McChesney on. Today, it's my guy who's taught me so much about how analytics work, how the games of football works. He knows everything there is to know about the draft, and we are going to dive into that knowledge. Andre Simone, how's it going? What an intro. Heartwarming from you, Henry. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um Hopefully I don't disappoint. I think uh, I think your show with Machesney, man, it might have been better. We'll I, see I don't know that it's been. I don't think it's been better. I know that 
Uh, people on Twitter have definitely been loving both of you guys. Uh, they like McChesney oh, because nice. uh, he's unchained. He sure is. He's not just unchained, but unchainable. Check there's there's really podcast. no way to get him to cut out the curse words. It's all. Uh, I, I wish I could like repeat just a couple of the things he said because he he gets creative in his adult mm. language. Mm. But uh, yeah, this is a little different vibe. It's not quite the same as bringing in uh, Matt McChesney. No. You're you're the guy that kind of like sits in the back, like in the dark. I sit in the watching dark. The film in the lab. Actually, like learning things about college football prospects. Uh, sometimes. And people like that too. Good. I'm yeah. glad. So before we start jumping into some draft stuff, which we are going to hit, um, I want to start by talking about what we learned at Buffs Camp today, because that's kind of been how we've been starting these shows. Yeah. Not much is the answer. Okay. <laughs> the, the answer is not much is going on up in Boulder. I talked to Jaron Mangum and Alex Fontenot, the running backs. And Boy, I'm excited about both those guys. Me too. Yeah. Especially after talking to them. They seem like they, they know what they're doing. They're excited. I kind of went into that knowing that in this situation, they're both going to be saying, you know, it's running back by committee. We all have each other's backs. It's a team yeah. game. And so I kind of tried to drive a wedge between them mm -hmm. and get them to like talk about themselves and try to hype themselves up and like say they want to be the starter couldn't do it no takers huh no they were really focused on you know they've been rotating every two reps in practice which is something we didn't know before that's mm -hmm. kind of interesting but mm -hmm. not totally surprising to hear yeah but no they're both just focused on doing their job when they get opportunities they aren't worried about you know it's something we've talked a lot about um when you do that, use the running back by committee, a lot of the time you want to ride the hot hand. Yeah. Neither of them were worried about getting cold. It just go in there, run for five to 10 yards if you got in you, then do it again next time your number's called, which is, you know. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. I hate the hot hand thing. Really? It's like, deal with it. It's like, I'm <laughs> sorry you weren't given 10 reps before you started to get going. Like, this is big time football uh, here. You got to make the best of the chances you're giving. I don't want to hear any whining about you didn't get enough chances. But like at the same time, like when you do have three, four guys that you're rotating in, if one of them's breaking off big runs, don't you want to just like keep him going throughout the course of the game? Keep him going, absolutely. Yes. I agree. Yes, that's what you got to do. And you know they weren't interested. They said, you know, we're we're going to get in there. I mean, both great kids both like super interesting to talk to but didn't really have any insights into anything that would be out of the ordinary anything that's unexpected but what we did learn or what i saw while i was waiting to talk to them darian hagan mm -hmm. the running backs coach mm -hmm. had all of the running backs circled together the middle of one of the practice fields and they were there for a good five ten minutes and i was just like standing there waiting for them to get done so i could talk to them so mm -hmm. i was just observing yeah I asked uh, the guys afterward what they were doing. Apparently, uh, they're making new hoodies that I, I couldn't get the details out of them because they kind of wanted to be a surprise, but they're all going to be like personalized, custom running back hoodies. Huh. So that's exciting. Okay. That's, that's our other cool. big piece of news. <laughs> and what are you hearing as far as their performances so far in camp? How do they differ stylistically? I mean, if you know, I don't want to um, put you on the spot. So where they really styled or are are different stylistically a lot of it is very similar a lot of it i mean they're both kind of in that six foot six foot one mm -hmm. 200 215 pound range right. i actually asked them what they thought their strengths of a runner are yeah jaron mangum said that his are his uh 
his size, his speed, his physicality, his agility, his vision, which I mean, that's a so he's a complete. That, that's a, that's he's a pretty good combination yeah. Yeah. of attributes right there. Um, Very freshman answer. Like, oh yes, I, <laughs> I'm I'm Just, good at everything. I have yet to find out what my no my flaws. weaknesses <laughs> yeah, are no. once I, I mean, play like, with the big boys. That's what you want though for running back, like a guy exciting. who's confident. Like if yeah. he's going to be stepping in there as an 18 year old who could be the lead back in this rotation, you know. He feels like he has it. Yeah. We've been hearing that from other guys. Uh, Alex, on the other hand, said uh, he uh, he's slightly smaller, right? Mangum's more in that two fifteen. Yep. He's more in that two hundred pounds. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he said he's happy. Not actually. He mentioned that the group as a whole has been very good in pass protection. Oh wow! But okay. also, that's he good. really wanted to emphasize his vision. He thought that that's kind of what separates him from everybody else is that he won't make mistakes reading holes. And that's something that he's been working on as well. Um, he's also yeah. been working a lot in pass protection, whether that's you know studying film, learning about defensive fronts, figuring out where the free runner is going to be coming from, yeah. uh, which matchup is most likely to lose. So it's interesting to hear them yeah, talk about very. that stuff. But Yeah, so maybe a little cerebral, like Alex has thought this yep. stuff through a little more. Yeah, which is what you expect because he's the sophomore. Third, right, third year on campus. Um, yep, right. and yeah. Jaron Mangum's coming in as an 18-year-old, and either one of them could be the lead back. You also have a couple of other guys who are pushing him. Jarek Broussard as a pass catching back should mm. get some reps. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see them. Um, you expect the running game to th- be so much more important this time around. It's something that they've really been pushing. Uh, it's something that everybody's been saying. I think Mel Tucker said about a week ago that this offensive line has helped this offense establish an identity as a run first team. Mm. which is interesting yeah and that's totally different than what we've heard before and that was after one of the best days for the offensive line uh-huh. and, and again i haven't thrown this disclaimer out there but we as media members don't get to see any of practice we got the one open practice uh the right. third practice of camp but everything else is kind of like what the people we talk to tell us yes so there is a little bit of take it with the grain of exactly yeah and so we have heard that we've heard that these tackles, Will Sherman and uh, Arlington Hambright, are holding their own. It's like a, it's a strong combination. Yeah. There's still some questions whether it's going to be Tim Lanott or Colby Purcell at center or guard. Mm-hmm. Still figuring that out. We had McChesney on yesterday saying he thinks Lanott makes more sense at center just because of the leverage differences because he wants Lanott making calls. Mm, so interesting. Okay. They're still kind of shaking out what exactly the offensive line will look like. Yeah. But Still finding that best five. Exactly. But encouraging that the tackles are looking as exactly. good as they are. I mean, that might be more important to the running game success than how any of these running backs are looking, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know that one of these guys is going to be good enough. From what we've heard, like Just all these running backs, like they're. What they're do the Broncos guys <laughs> say? Touch wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean. Lots of promising young guys, but we don't really get to it, it's tough to just hear the hype at that position and yeah. say, Oh, that's something we're excited about. We hear all the hype about uh like Makai Blackman, for example. Then we get to see it for our with, with our own eyes at the one open practice. And you're like, Okay, this makes sense. Like he's a guy who can make plays. We've heard a lot about that. But it's almost different when you're hearing that like the running backs are making plays because they aren't being brought to the ground. Like there is like these differences for running back in practice versus that's the other thing. It's just you know, so it's just hard different. to evaluate running backs, especially on non-padded practice. It's just you know, different. it's just that position. 
And Magnum's so intriguing. I mean, you yeah. know, even even recruiting services kind of vary on where they ranked them and stuff. We've found that as we were prepping for the off season. Um, and you know, I'm I'm no expert on uh, scouting high school kids. You know, okay. I, I can evaluate a guy once they've played in college. Before then, I've, I watch huddle videos and stuff, but there's just such a variance in competition level across. High yeah. schools all across America um, that it's just, you know, it's not like in college in my mind. I've seen it enough times where I kind of know what an NFL talent should look like yep. or what a high yeah, end exactly. college talent should look like. I'm not there with recruiting. I probably never will be unless I really want to put in those like 10,000 hours. Well, and that's why you have like websites like 24 seven or like rivals that really focus on the recruiting because it is. It it takes a lot of time it's to know what you're talking about. It's a specialized skill, absolutely. Yeah, you can't ask like a newspaper guy who covers the team to know everything about recruiting as right. well. Right, it's just different. And then that with that disclaimer, Mangum does have. When I've watched them, that combination of size, agility, the speed was hard for me to gauge. Interesting. You know, it's like, well, is he playing against smaller guys that might be a little faster, or is he, is his speed a little overrated? Yeah. Um, but he does profile as that kind of all around back. So I'm really excited to see what he could bring for the table. I mean, it'd be just great to see that again, to see the bus running the ball with, you know, some real force and really establishing the run and allowing Montez and that receiving core to have a, you know, a greater percentage of success when they are taking those shots because defenses are keyed in so much yep. on the run game. And, I mean, maybe part of the reason that they've been running this offense where it is more horizontal than vertical, they're yeah. throwing the ball into the flat, they're throwing it behind the line of scrimmage, is because that's kind of their way of having some sort of run game, like a short game. Right. Like That's right. how you keep guys close to the line of scrimmage. Right. But they couldn't really do that with that offensive line. What we've heard, though, is that things are getting better there. How good? We really tough to gauge yeah like all the hype is there there's a lot of reasons to think that this is going to be a totally improved group over last year but mm -hmm. until you see it on the field who knows right and that nebraska game that's going to be a test it'll be an important early test absolutely as will air force in some ways yeah. i think yeah um well and that's a great point you make yeah that's what we see from offenses like that shiverini inspired almost texas tech style offense yeah where it's like, we're not going to run the ball conventionally. Frankly, we don't have the horses to do that. But we're doing these east-west short game things that are work as an extension of the run game. Yeah, right? that's how we're going to just keep the offense on right. time. Get three, four yards and keep moving. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I and think... get guys in space where they can exploit one-on-ones, yeah. But one more note is that... Over the last couple days, we've been hearing that these have been some of the best days for the Buffs running backs, that they are improving as camp goes along. I think, what was it? Today, today's Thursday. I think Tuesday and Wednesday we heard that those were some of the best days so far mm. in camp. So okay, good. It's promising. We've also heard, we haven't mentioned this guy, but Dion Smith, mm -hmm. he's, uh, he's explosive. And that's that's been mentioned by Mel Tucker a couple times, so... It really could be four guys in this rotation, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's What's his size profile and everything? Um, oh, yeah. I have it open right here. Uh, Dion Smith is uh, six foot 185. Okay. Yeah. 
I think that makes sense. I, I'm not surprised to hear that he is a little bit lighter because, I mean, we don't get to see practices, but we do see them kind of walking around, and he does look on the lighter side, and he is somebody who th- this whole group, uh, we've been hearing that they are explosive, Yeah. but Dion in particular, we've heard, is kind of that super explosive guy. He's the explosive guy in a group of already explosive guys. Yes. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer, established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale, But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. All right, we're moving along now into the second segment, and we really want to put Dre's draft knowledge to the test here. So yesterday, Todd McShay of ESPN dropped his top 32 prospects for the mm-hmm. 2020 NFL Draft. Yeah, We want to run through those and compare them to Andre Simone's top 32 prospects. Are we going 32, going 20, going 10, something like that? Yeah, we'll see what, uh, what time permits. We'll see what time permits. All right. Now, so but yeah, go ahead. Go let's ahead. start by jumping into the top of McShay's rankings. Did you want to talk about what he said about Visca first? Oh, let's just kind of run through here and see where Visca falls. Okay. I think that'll be a more fun way to go about this. Build some I can tension do that. because there's going to be a lot of tension built. Uh, <laughs> number one, Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback, Alabama. I'm in agreement. A lot of people will have the edge rusher from Ohio State, Chase Young, who is absolutely unbelievable. Once Nick Bosa went down last year. Ahead of Tua, and some people are actually kind of low on Tua between his size, injury concerns, the fact that when he was tested by NFL quality defenses, the guy's just like forcing everything and like mm. just became a real turnover machine. Um, and you know, arguably not even the best quarterback in college football, but because Trevor Lawrence isn't draft eligible, uh, Tua is the top prospect. I'm not so low on Tua. I like him a lot. I like what he brings to the game. I think his deep ball accuracy is truly special. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find from from many quarterbacks at the college level, especially as like true sophomores. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got for you on Tua Tagovailoa. Well, and the really interesting part to me is that I don't remember the last time that we've had a quarterback ranked this highly. 
but also with two of his wide receivers also ranked very highly. Yep. And so that makes it really difficult to gauge, like, are the receivers making the quarterback? Is the fact that there are two receivers ranked this highly just showing that the quarterback is so strong that he's boosting everybody around him? Right. It, it makes it more difficult to evaluate when you do have that much talent around you. And the truth is, like, Tagovailoa is taking advantage of that talent. Like, you right. look through the stats, and, I mean, McShay throws out there that he threw a touchdown 12.1% of his passes, the highest in FBS history. Yikes. That's incredible. Yeah. But, you know, if you have guys like Jerry Judy and like Henry Ruggs III, maybe you should be doing I mean, that if you're supposed to be the number one pick in the draft. Not to mention Josh Jacobs, who yeah. Oh, yeah. listeners will be drafting very high in their fantasy leagues yep. this month. Irv Smith, who went very high in last year's draft. Jonah Williams, who went exactly. like 11th overall as yep. his left tackle. The offensive line as well. Like everything right. is built for him to succeed, and he's succeeding. Right. And now he becomes more of a veteran and will have to overcome losing some of those guys, which will be interesting. It will be interesting. And that's an easy segue. Did we? Did, yeah, he is your number one as well. Yeah. To Todd McShay's number two, Jerry Judy, wide receiver from Alabama. Yep. He's my number three. I think the. Uh, the top three on my board are very fluid. You can make an argument for all three. Judy is just an unbelievable talent for his short area quickness and his just incredible speed. Um, on top of, you know, some great hands and the ability to make some pretty uh, outstanding catches as well. Yeah, and it's just, he's one of those guys who you watch and you can just tell that he's a freak athlete. Like, like you watch the route running. You watch his feet. You watch how he can just run by guys. He he almost reminds me of, like, a kind of like an Antonio Brown type, to be honest. Like, he's bigger. He's six foot one. Antonio Brown's, like, five foot ten. But mm-hmm. he's a He'll guy who run can... run faster than the four, exactly. high four or five Antonio ran, yeah. And, and that's why he's way up at the top of the draft board, mm-hmm. because of the height and because of the speed that will show through the tests. Yeah. Instead of like what Antonio Brown was a sixth round pick, uh, what's he sixth? You're making a face like he might not have been sixth. fourth, fifth, but was I'm pretty he? sure he's a he's a day three pick, yeah, right? Day three pick. We'll go with that. And so it's interesting though to see how I mean, I mean he can just get open anywhere in the field. Like yeah. you you put you put man coverage on him, he can outrun any cornerback. You try to play zone against him he can find the soft spot in the zone and he has the feet to get away it's it's just well, he'll impressive take, to watch him. he's like so dynamic and explosive you can only he's one of those talents almost like Tyreek Hill where you can only cover him for so long even in zone before it's like yeah we we just can't keep the speed yep uh, hold, you know who is your number two Chase Young the uh just marvelous uh edge rusher from ohio state 6'5 240 uh uses that length so well um so active such a great motor great hands uh, just a dynamic dynamic pass rusher who last year broke out as i said when nick bosa went down especially um and broncos interior pass rusher draymond jones kind of took off as well once that occurred but uh, Chase Young's just another level. I think um, who's the top edge rusher taken in last year's draft? Well, of course, Chubb was two years ago. Yeah. Oh, uh, Bosa would have been the top guy. 
I mean, you could make an argument, now we're projecting, this is assuming he keeps progressing, that he's a, a more dynamic talent than Nick Bosa even. Interesting. Yeah. So he's six foot five, two sixty five. Big guy. That's how he's listed on that one, yeah. Not yeah. overly heavy though. Is he a guy mm-hmm. that you see better as like a four three D end or is a three four outside linebacker? I think he could play either. Um you know, fronts in the league are so fluid nowadays. Okay. Where it's like doesn't make a ton of a difference. It's just if like you're a base like nickel anyway, you're lining up. Absolutely. The end. Right. Right. Okay. Like hand in the ground standing up. Doesn't matter. Just let him line up outside and go after guys and beat guys off the edge, you know. Yeah, makes sense. Uh moving on now to number three. Todd McShay's number three, Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU. Yeah, for me it is Jerry Judy. As I said, those uh three can be very fluid. Uh, Delpit comes in fifth overall. Love Delpit, though. Really a dynamic, talented safety. Uh, arguably the best safety in all of college football last year. Hits like a train. Him and um, Devin White were so much fun to watch on that defense together last year. And good in coverage. I mean, he's got the range. You can turn and run with guys. He can, you know, cover the whole field, sideline to sideline type deal. He's a he's a game changer at safety, and you are only ranked this highly as a safety if you are truly special and close to elite in all areas, and he is. Yeah, that's interesting because so I had a friend who was covering LSU last year, and so I kind of followed along with what was going on there, mm-hmm. and he was another one of those guys where you just turn on one game, you watch one or two drives, and you see immediately that he's just a freak athlete. And he is dynamic. And do you see him more as like an in-the-box safety or a guy who's going to drop deep in the NFL? <sighs> That's a good question. He's probably going to impact the game more closer to the line. But it is at a premium to find guys who can cover deeper and be that single high safety. And the fact that he has the ability to do that is very promising. So I think he's a guy who can play a lot of cover two for you when you want to go, okay. you know, um, you want both your safeties covering deep. But then he can also uh, allow you to to do a lot of damage when put a little closer to the box. All right. Um, moving on to Todd McShay's number four, Jeffrey Okuda, cornerback from Ohio State. Yeah, who to me is more of a safety. I think this is more recruiting hype than exactly. actual talent shown on the field thus far well and the recruiting hype is there because he does have like all the qualities that you'd look for in a cornerback Mm -hmm. like maybe the production isn't there but good defensive backs coach is turning this guy into one of the top cornerbacks in the league right also i feel like part of it has to do with that ohio state secondary bias like just knowing that he's going through that program right i mean those guys have done some outstanding things the last few years but that's the other that's another like kind of proof of this is more based on recruiting hype than anything else is that like Okuda was buried on the depth chart behind other guys the last couple years and was playing more as a safety so you got to love that versatility but I, I got to see more he's not in my top 20 really just as of now yeah and then uh oh who is your number 4 my number four, talk about. you might have heard him before. His name's LaVisca Chanel. He's a wide receiver at Colorado. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know why the national media keeps on somewhat sleeping on LaVisca Chenault. He still seems to be a consensus top 20 prospect. And, I mean, I've I've always been fair with local prospects. I'm not here to, you know, hype up anyone that doesn't deserve it. Uh, he's just that type of talent. When you are as successful and productive as LaVisca was last year, um, when there's really no corner that can stop you. He's as dynamic uh, a runner with the ball in his hands as I've ever seen. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism, great hands, super versatile. I don't know what there's not to like. I think this guy should be a consensus top five uh, player for most people's boards coming into the season. So you have LaVisca number four and Jerry Judy number three. Mm -hmm. Why is Judy ahead of LaVisca? It's that speed. That speed stands out more. More polished route runner. So you just have questions, more questions about how LaVisca translates to a pro-style offense? I have more questions about LaVisca's ability as a conventional wide receiver to gain separation. That's not to say I have real questions. It's just to say I have more questions than with LaVisca than I do with Jerry Judy about that. That makes sense. And, you know, the, the ability to create separation, that's a big part of the wide receiver evaluation, as you could imagine. And we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but LaVisca is a guy who hasn't shown a lot of the ability to gain separation. But part of that is because he hasn't been given the opportunity to. So much of what he's done has been lining up and running short routes or even just like standing, catching a screen pass and running from there or just mm -hmm. running deep. It sounds like the bus will run more of a pro style offense mm -hmm. this season. And that'll kind of give him an opportunity to show that he has that ability as well. Yeah, and here's what really separates LaVisca from other big wide receivers who had questions about their ability to separate. Some of the best wide receivers in the NFL are bigger wide receivers who had questions about their ability to separate. Guys like Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, who've come into the NFL and just lit it up. Juju Smith had real questions about his ability to create separation. Interesting. Um, LaVisca, though, is so amazing at winning off the snap. His yes. quickness is yes. off the charts. It's absurd. It doesn't make sense because, I don't know, it, it, when you think of a running back, you think of a guy like Adrian Peterson who just, like, runs guys over but mm -hmm. also has the shiftiness to run by guys. Mm -hmm. He's just unstoppable in that way. Mm -hmm. And it's so rare that you have a guy who – has is just like both of those are his strength he's a get by yes. you through contact or without contact type of guy and lavisca has that it's very unique man it's really unique and, and if you're not subscribing to bsn you should just to read my guy henry's uh, film film room on lavisca chanel we'll be writing a whole lot more about lavisca through the year but that film room that kind of kicked off bsn buffs i really enjoyed that so if you haven't please go check that out and I don't think we're going to get all the way down to Todd McShay's uh, place for LaVisca Chenault mm -hmm. because it is so low. So let's <laughs> talk about what Todd McShay says yeah. about LaVisca. So Todd McShay has him ranked 16th. Which, um, hey, you know, that's not insane. It's not like he's 50th or 100th, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 16th on the low side. for Four, Fourth receiver. Yeah. Right. Um, and here's what he has to say. This guy is a real weapon for any offense. Chenault can play any receiver position and is terrific with the ball in his hands. 
Don't expect him to run a normal route tree instead of instead snagging a lot of short catches underneath, but he is good on contested balls and his ability to create after the catch stands out as a plus trait. Chenault will need some time to develop and learn effective deep routes, but his short area quickness is something else. In 2018, he hauled in 86 passes for 1,011 yards and six touchdowns and had five more on the ground. So McShay really does identify the route running as what's separating these other three receivers mm-hmm. who he has ranked ahead of LaVisca as better pro prospects. Right, which to me, it's not that Chenault can't run those routes. It's just that he wasn't asked to. Exactly. Right, and it's the old scouting adage of don't knock a guy for something that they're not in control of. Evaluate them based on what's within their control. So I would say that about Tua Tagovailoa and the weapons around him. You know, we can't evaluate him in a contest where that's not the case. We need to evaluate him within that contest and see what he can bring. And I think some people are just too caught up in the routes and how he was utilized and not realizing that that's that's just how he was used. It's not an indictment in his ability to do other things and be more of a conventional wide receiver. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And we'll see this season if he can change that narrative a little bit because if he does, all of a sudden he's rocketing up draft boards because it sounds like McShay puts him 16th, like, Middle of the first round, which is a great place for a prospect. Absolutely. Because of his ability after the catch and almost his ability as a gadget guy that you can like right. throw around, get the ball in his hands, and let him make a play. Right. If he shows that he can be a real receiver, forget it. Forget it. Yeah, totally. Forget it. Absolutely. Um, let's keep moving along, see if we can get through the top 10 here. Uh, number five, according to Todd McShay, Chase Young, the defensive end from Ohio State. We talked about him. For me, my fifth guy is Grant Delpit, who we we've also, also talked about. about. Yeah. Uh, number six, Derek Brown, defensive tackle from Auburn. Yeah, massive, massive defensive tackle. So much fun to watch. Um, he'll be fun in who is playing Auburn this year in the Pac-12? Oregon. Oregon, yeah. That the O-line season. for Oregon, who's got a lot of promise, is going to have their hands full with Derek Brown. It'll be interesting. And I'm excited to get Auburn to see. Line. It, well, I actually just realized today, like, I've been counting down until August 30th when we get to see the Buffs play. Yeah. But next weekend, we get to see Pac-12 football. We get to see Arizona play Hawaii. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy that that's just right around the corner. Wow. It is here, Henry. That's amazing. So close. It's so close. Uh, sixth overall for me is AJ Epinesa. Does that sound right? You're great with American names, so yeah. I, I defer to you. I don't know that Epinesa is an American name. <laughs> that is right? a great point, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I think that's how I've always read it, so we're going to run with it. Extremely productive. Really thought he gave uh, Wisconsin's line headaches last year length size really a strength and yet plays like kind of a small i mean has a little more movement and finesse to his game than you might think at face value not quite jj watt but he's that kind of hybrid guy who could play inside outside uh just a a real talent really intrigued by what he can do this year all right uh number seven is quarterback justin herbert from oregon yeah, I'm uh, I'm low on Herbert, uh, as we talked about in the quarterback preview. While he was my top 
Pac-12 quarterback, and I see all the upside. I have real questions about his processing speed, his ability to handle pressure, and the fact that his accuracy comes and goes, and that arm strength isn't always special. So, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, who's your number seven? C.D. Lamb, the dynamic big wide receiver from Oklahoma. So he's also Todd McShay's number eight. Uh, so what what do we need to know about C.D. Lamb? C.D. Lamb's an interesting guy, especially when comparing him to Visca, because he is running more conventional stuff. He's not going to be as dynamic as a runner with the ball in his hands. He's not that yak weapon. But at the same time, he's more of that big guy you can go up and sky and get balls and kind of bully guys on the outside and has enough speed to make it all work and be that top 10 type prospect in my mind at least who's your comparison for him kind of a big uh athletic freak outside um not quite a hopkins not quite a michael thomas uh, not, qu- not quite a Mike Evans, but he's he's in that okay. genre, you know. And what's different? Is that he a little smaller? Is he a little he's slower? He's a little smaller than Mike Evans. He's a little faster than Thomas and Hopkins. A faster little more athletic. Hopkins? Athletic, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Now we are on to, so that was Todd McShay's number eight, mm-hmm. your number seven, CeeDee Lamb. Who's your number eight? I don't understand why people aren't higher on this running back class. I think um, guys like DeAndre Swift and Travis Etienne of Clemson and uh, of Georgia and Clemson respectively should be top 15 prospects in this class. And this is where Travis Etienne comes into play. I mean, look no further than what he did to the, some outstanding defenses in the college football playoffs last year. Just look no further than that. So DeAndre Swift is Todd McShay's top-ranked running back, and he has him at number 26. Yeah, low for me. Low. That's really low. Yeah, Swift clocks in at 12th for me. So. All right. Uh, your num- er, number nine for Todd McShay is A.J. Epinesa from Iowa, who we already right. talked about. So right. who's your number nine? Number nine for me is Raekwon Davis, the massive defensive tackle from Alabama. I mean, seriously, this guy should be playing basketball. He's so big. Um, His length is just going to be so hard to handle for offensive linemen at any level. He's 6'7". Wow. And he moves really well. And he was in the backfield a whole lot. So, yeah. So, I mean, you say that he should play basketball, but also he's 312 pounds. Be fun to watch, right? Can he move like that? I don't know about that. And okay. obviously to play basketball beyond the movement, you need the skill. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. I don't think he's necessarily uh, switching on point guards out on the perimeter on the pick and roll. Uh, but he'll, he'll, he'll surprise you with some deceptive quickness and uh, mobility, though. Interesting. All right. Uh, now we are on to number 10. Right. Todd McShay says Christian Fulton, cornerback from LSU. Like him, um, like him, need to see a little more as the lockdown guy. I have Dylan Moses, the linebacker out of Alabama, dynamic athlete. I see some Devin White in this guy. Oh, it was impossible for me not to study Alabama last year and not be enamored with Dylan Moses. So, what do you really like about his game then? 
his athleticism for the linebacker position combined with his mobility. Um, he's, you know, trying to finish things off with bad intentions uh, and just a superb athlete. So sideline to sideline and coming downhill, I really think he's uh, an incredible talent. And I think he, he's another of these guys that's just scratching the surface. McShay doesn't have him in the first round. I was surprised to see that. Why do you think that is? What's what's missing? Is he undersized? No, not really. 6'3", 235. Oh, um, no. I just think at this point in the year, we all have our our list, and they're super fluid. Okay. Like, you know, by a month into the college football season, this will all be kind of changed around. All right. You know, which so will be fun because we'll do more of this uh, throughout. Oh, we will. Once a week. Yes. Yes. Draft podcast. So that's Dre and Todd McShay's top 10 including like lavisco who is not in the top 10 but yeah for uh tisk, tisk. like kind of your preseason rankings heading into the 2019 season we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into some of your listener questions we had a few yesterday that we didn't get to with uh matt mcchesney just because he was so pressed for time and we actually still went over time but before we get into that i want to tell you about some game-changing copy StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, back for the final segment here where we're going to get to your guys' question. questions. There are multiple. And uh, before we actually jump into that, during the break, I got a DM that I'm super into. <laughs> okay. says, uh, hey, bro, this is random AF, but where did you get those shorts you wore on the podcast you did yesterday? Got these from PacSun. They call these the volleyball short, which I don't understand. It almost sounds mm. like they're not... Meant for men, but they are. <laughs> so just, just, uh, wow. just wanted to like uh, let everybody know if you need a good pair of shorts, uh, Pack Sun. Get in that plug. Yeah, Look at they you, have like Pac the little, they have the little tights. What, what do you even call those? Like you wouldn't call them laces. Those are for shoes. Mm, mm, I know. Like, it. like the cord that you you're tie. They you know? have instead of buttons, like a big boy. You've got a, you know, you've got a little elastic tie going. It's a, uh, it's very simple. Those you are the only shirts I've been wearing lately, too. Aren't they nice? Uh, too many brick brews. They're so nice. So if you're listening to the podcast today, that's where you get these shorts. Wow. I'm actually wearing the exact same shorts today, too. That's it's uh, it's laundry day. I will now be <laughs> sneaking a peek under the table. So there you go. I like them. I like them. They're, they're up a little high. I admired those shorts before. Yes, you're... Uh, your upper inner inner thigh is uh needs some work. You're looking at the inner yeah. portion of my well, upper thigh. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's that's the look I got. Yeah, they're a little yes. pale. Things got real We're personal there, real quick. Guys. <laughs> okay, but back into the uh, serious questions though. Sunny Rain <laughs> asked, "What?" Or this isn't even really a question, but I like the take. Let me touch on this Sco Buffs issue. Mm. How about no? <laughs> I, I've, I've always hated this junk because it doesn't belong to Colorado at all. It's Minnesota's deal, and it should remain such. It's the Vikings. It's the Gophers. It's Scandinavian for drink. We don't say skull. We say damn good beer, which means no one had to tell us to drink it. 
You can tell Ryan that he had it right the first time and should reconsider his stance. Imagine some other school ripping off shoulder to shoulder. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Sco buffs comes from skull? I'm not sure. I think they might be different, but I've always thought they're the same because like some skull, skull might be the skinny because sco is let's go, but right. then missing S- the beginning. Sco, I thought came from like workaholics where they're like sco. Is that workaholics? Is that where that started? Uh, I, I, I believe it. I'd have to trace how long ago sco started. I'm sure you'll have another listener inform you on all the roots of sco. Oh, I sure hope so. I. It's it skews a little young for me the sco, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I wonder. I, I'm a little anti sco buffs, but you know I, I in the office here at BSN, I do tend to be the one who has like the old the man father get off my lawn yes. takes. Oh yes. Um, as as the youngster Henry can attest, <laughs> sco buffs. I'm like, eh, shrug my shoulders, let the kids have fun. It's not for me, but if the kids want to do it, fine. I do have uh, some Scandinavian friends. I have been to Scandinavia. <laughs> Lots of drinking with both or in both. And Skull is a, a great way to say cheers. So. Hey, Dre, uh, what shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing my Skull Buff shirt. I like so, it. So there you go. Can you think of any uh, good way for somebody listening to this podcast to get their hands on one of those? Yeah, they could go to bsndenvermerch.com and pick one up. Or if they're not a subscriber, they just subscribe. They use code... Scobuffs. S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S. And then they get a deep discount. They still get the free shirt. And they get all our amazing coverage, including your buff stuff, our Bronco stuff, the great nugget stuff. Buff stuff. Every time uh, I hear buff you know. stuff, I giggle. I try Why? I try buff stuff. It sounds like like m- buffs someone who's doing like who's buff, who's doing buff stuff. Well, whenever I hear buff stuff, I think not of buff stuff, but like we don't need to get into. Oh, it. okay. It's a, it's a little crude. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully somebody <laughs> listening is, is hearing buff stuff. I've been pitching the buff stuff shirt for forever, and nobody has let me actually make the buff stuff shirt. Mm. Okay, um, got the code plugged. Perfect. Let's move on to the next question. Love the uh, take though from Sunny Rain, and uh, I'll be seeing Ryan this evening, and I'll have to check with him and see what his takes. I are. didn't realize that like Skull and Sko were different until right now, but I think they definitely are because Skull is that Scandinavian. Sko is just I wonder if an abbreviation Sko of came, Let's Go. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But I wonder if it is a knockoff from Skull, like if that's where it started. Like, who knows? People, it sounds the same, and they've kind of morphed together. Even I don't know. Who knows? Okay, next one comes in from B Bector twenty two. It was nice to briefly meet you today, Henry. I had to run back to work, or I would have stayed and chatted longer. Wish you would have, because media members stand outside that gate for about an hour waiting for practice. And, you know, great guys. Get along with all of them. But another voice in the conversation, always great. That's awesome. Um, Mel certainly doesn't mess around and runs a tight ship. Which position group do you expect to surprise some folks? I would go with safety. Lost two starters from last year, but upgraded overall. Uh, overall talent and depth should push those guys. Sure seems like Mel and the other coaches won't accept mediocrity anywhere across the field. Yeah, I mean, Great. the not accepting mediocrity, that's kind of the theme of camp. Especially on defense. They really are pushing them. I think safety is a good bet. I mean, you have Mark Perry in there, the uh, the kid. See what he can do. I really uh-huh. like what I've seen from Aaron Maddox. I had a chance to talk with him today, like, just off the record just chat and he's just impressive he's he's a smart guy he understands that football is half mental and he has that aspect down as well as the physical parts 
and I'm excited to see what he can do on the field because I really do think that he's a guy who could impress. I'm not I, I'm not going to argue with your take that uh, the safeties will be the uh, surprising group this I year. I think that's a good take. I mean, doesn't doesn't Mackay Blackman kind of fall under that? Eh, I mean, I, he'll be like that cornerback star role. Like that star is almost like. I mean, in theory, what is it? Is that your weak right, side? Right, it's like your nickel back. Exactly. So in a sense, he'll do some of the duties that a safety might do from time to time. But no, technically, he's not a safety. Yeah, so think fair, through it. So fair, fair. basically, he's like a hybrid cornerback, strong side linebacker, safety. Uh-huh. So if you want to compare him with any of those positions, you're really not wrong doing it. Right. So right. yeah, but for sure. And Makai Blackman, definitely. We actually heard some stuff about... Uh, Davion Taylor for the first time today from Tyson Summers. I wasn't at that press conference. I was waiting for. It's been a while. It's been a while. He said that like the last seven or eight practices, he's been stepping things up and he, like, he's really found a rhythm. Um. So yeah, good to hear, because, I mean, he he is still probably pro- he's still the favorite for that starting star job. It's just that we've been hearing so much hype about Makai Blackman that it. It needed and a, to get balanced out. At a some much point. different star player than Blackman would be. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like Devion Taylor's more of that edge rusher, exactly. outside linebacker. Blackman's more of that nickel back who can play in the box, kind of like the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Or I was telling you, it's kind of that Shadobe Awuzie role, as you yeah. were describing more of what's impressed you about Blackman. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Uh, Mel Tucker yesterday said that he wants five to six defensive backs on the field every snap. Ooh. And, like, I mean, there will definitely be situational stuff. that How modern don't. of him. Exactly. But, I mean, that does remind you, five to six guys on the field every snap. There's going to be rotations in there. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they have to go 10-11 deep, you know, on a game-to-game basis. Right, right. So that'll be interesting, something to follow, because there are – a lot of open spots in that rotation in the secondary. Uh, who's your group, though? Who do you think will impress? Drake? Outside linebackers. Um, Davion Taylor would fall into that. Yep. Carson Wells would fall into that. Really like him. Um, Jacob Collier would fall into that. And, you know, depending on where they put Joshua Allen, that's his name, yeah? Joshua. Joshua. Yeah. Joshua. With an A, yeah. He hasn't played yet, guys, so until I've watched in-depth film on someone, I don't have to learn their name. That's in my contract. (laughs) Um, So that group, I think there's a lot of upside. That's not even mentioning follow in there. Um, I think that group could be promising. I think the way Mel Tucker is going to use them uh, could really up their game, and I think it's, it's been a while since we've had some studs on the outside. And to have those guys play up to their potential could be huge for this defense. Yeah. That's I, my prediction. I think that that's another good one. Just, I mean, just for the fact that you get Carson Wells in your group, and he's a guy who we've heard a lot of hype from, from his right. teammates, right. from the coaches. Um, You know, he has all the physical tools, and he seems like he knows how to put them to use now. Yeah. I'm going to go with the offensive line. Nice. That's, that's my group. That's the one that I think is really going to step up. Having talked... I think I've spoken with all of these guys now. Uh, maybe not Kerry Kutch. There's one guy. There's one starter I haven't talked to, but okay. the other four starters, talking to Coach Cap, talking to uh, Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, talking to the running backs, sounds like this group is ready to make a jump. Yep. And the system should help them too. Exactly. And what I really like, what I like the most, isn't that, you know, I guess they lost a couple guys. They bring in Arlington Hambright. They're more experienced, all right. this kind of stuff. Like, 
Yeah, that's good. What I love, though, is that they all talk about uh, Coach Chris Kapilovic and say that he has really improved their game. He's been focusing a lot on technique. It's all about these little details with him. They feel like they're much more comfortable Mm -hmm. with their own personal game. Like They Mm. know how to approach different sorts of rushers, all this kind of stuff, the hand placement, all of that. That's what offensive line play is all about. It's about learning those little things. And, you know, they they didn't look great the last couple of years, but they did spend a lot of time working on the things that aren't technique. You know, they, they did spend more time, like, thinking, here's what we do in this situation, like, schematically. Here's how we approach this. And it's more of, like, this bigger picture stuff mm-hmm. and lifting weights and doing all that stuff, which means now that they're throwing the technique in, I really think that this could be a very complete group and could turn some heads this year. Yeah, I mean, that would be huge for the buffs, too. We talked about in the schedule preview how much, uh, especially once you get into conference play, how much the war in the trenches is really going to be a determining factor in who wins the game. That's how football works. It sure is. And for some reason, it's just been ignored in... Right, in the age of spread football, it kind of gets ignored. It does. But when you're looking at it, that's really what it always comes back to. So, yeah, I'm with you. All right. This one comes in from the Deebs. Yes. I don't think you could be more off on Nate Landman. Rick Amboa played slow and was hurting the linebacker core on the five-game skid to end the season. I think the with Nate having a sidekick that can tackle and hold his own side of the field, he will flourish and have his way. Has there been anything you've seen that has shown that Nate hasn't progressed in his cover abilities? Go Buffs and Huck the Fuskers. Which is a great way to close that out. I know. And I was trying to decide, should I read it? Do I trust myself to not like Oh, absolutely. You, oh, you, you did a phenomenal job. You have job. to. And then he corrected himself seven games again. Yep. And then uh, ben Be- or B. Bechter jumped back in and said, to piggyback, PFF has Lamming Grade as the best returning linebacker in the Pac-12 as far as coverage goes. 27.7 passer rating allowed and .33 yards per coverage snap. Those numbers indicate he may be better at pass coverage than you think, but also could be because he is always in good position, like you mentioned. So, yeah, just to give, like, a quick rundown so we're all on the same page of what I said about Nate Landman. Yeah. Basically, he's a monster in the running game. Yep. He's a guy who they build the uh, the entire defense around. It's mm-hmm. everybody, like, everybody fills their gaps. The, everybody right. forces every, right. everything, funnels it to Nate. Exactly. So he can make the play because he's the guy they trust to clean up. Right. He's the guy who can read the play faster than the running back, hit the hole before him, and catch him in the backfield. Mm-hmm. So his ability north-south, downhill as a run stopper, you know, we have no doubts on his ability to stop the run as a two-down defender. At all. The only question mark is what is he in coverage? Right. And so I guess let's go back to what I was saying about, I think where this came from was the University of Washington SB Nation site had him as the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure that he can improve upon his stats from last year because he's going to be running the same scheme. And if anything, like I th- Van Deest, I'm much more excited to see him at linebacker than G- Gamboa. Yes, but without a doubt, it'll be interesting to see if he steals tackles from him. You know, w- what do you think of that? I think you make a good point. I think both about the scheme and about you know the the fact that a better linebacker next to him could decrease his production. I mean, also, his production was pretty outstanding. You know, he was averaging 8.75 tackles oh, yeah. per game. Oh, yeah. 15 tackles for a loss. Uh, just had a, a huge impact with two forced fumbles, two interceptions. 
so I mean, I could see how you'd say, hey, those numbers aren't going to be all that easy to reproduce, especially when he got expelled from two games for targeting. That's true. So that's an area where his production could improve because if he plays, you know, instead of essentially playing 10 games rather than 12, if he plays a full 12, it could improve. So you're not really saying that his cover skills are going to hurt him. Obviously, that is the question of his game. Exactly. I mean, and what it really is, I'm glad we got past like the Gamboa stuff so that we can move into the coverage stuff because I think this is an interesting discussion. Yeah. It's not that he's bad in coverage. It's just that he's as close to as good of a linebacker you can be in the run game. Mm-hmm. What he can still improve is pass coverage. Like I, the numbers come back, he's the best uh, returning uh, linebacker in pass coverage in the Pac-12. He was also the best defensive player according to Pro Football Focus in the Pac-12 last year. Pretty amazing. According to their grades. So yeah, yeah like he's a very good all-around player. What you want to know is, like, can he become one of the elite cover guys in the NFL next year? And one of the things that we did mention is that, like, what he is is a guy who just won't blow a coverage. Like, he's going to be in the right position. Mm -hmm. He's going to be where he's supposed to be. And if the quarterback makes a mistake, Nate Landman's right there to clean it up. Right. And that little underneath zone, he can do the job. He's great in a quarterback spy, right? Exactly. He's going to be a huge weapon against RPOs, triple options, quarterbacks running the ball. Yep. Because his eyes are on the quarterback. He reads him well. He reacts quickly to the ball. He does. He's a smart football player. Absolutely. The question is whether he's athletic enough to stick with somebody in man coverage. Mm -hmm. Or, like, if they expand that zone because – I don't. I don't know if right. Can he carry the seam? Exactly. Can he do what a Roquan Smith did in Mel Tucker's defense? Probably not. Roquan's a freak. He is a freak in that area. But what Nate? It it wasn't that they protected him last year because Mm -hmm. they didn't. It's just part of the scheme was keeping him in these smaller zones. They don't ask as much in coverage of those linebackers. Right in a shallow zone. Exactly. Right, and you're concerned in. In a zero blitz, when he's got to turn and run with the tight end, he's got to turn and run with the running back. Could he be exposed? Exactly. Leg- legitimate question. And it's the, the answer same is probably yes. By the way, it, it probably is yes. It's a lot like the Lavisca Chenault situation, where we're saying, "What happens when he runs in a, a twelve-yard in?" We honestly don't really know. There's. I we're going to find out. I hopefully. think we. He probably is great at it. He probably can gain separation, but we just haven't seen it. And so that same thing with Nate Landman where maybe they do give him an opportunity to take that next step and show what he can do in coverage because he just he was dropping into shallow zones. He wasn't making mistakes. He was reading the quarterback's eyes, and he was breaking on the ball well. Right. But he wasn't asked to cover large air, large mm-hmm. areas. Yeah, you know, the range was, is in question. Exactly. Right? So. Yeah. That's and the sideline-to-sideline side speed, that true sideline-to-sideline side ability as a linebacker, I think, is also in question somewhat. Yeah, and I think there was one more question, like, have I seen anything that makes me think he hasn't progressed in pass, pass coverage? I haven't really seen anything so right. far. Again, <laughs> it's been one open practice. Yeah. So. yeah, and he wasn't a guy that I was really keying on because sure. we know that he's one of the top players in the Pac-12. Yep. So... I think that's it for today. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow uh, after I head up to Boulder for another Buffs practice. Uh, If you have any questions, as always, leave them in the comment section of today's post on bsndenver.com. Just click on, like, the Buffs podcast page, 
click on the page for this uh, for this show. Scroll down, leave a comment. We'll talk about it on the show tomorrow. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today, Andre. It was a blast. Truly, as always. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Henry. We'll get you on again next week for sure. That's Sounds it for good. today. Bye, guys. I think I like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Might not sway, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd Do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you You can get it anytime yeah. It started at the scrimmage We gon' win it at the line yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle